broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month, so we have the Cobb County Chamber of Commerce with us in the studio, Amy Selby. Hi. My usual co-host with me in the studio today. Yes, happy to be here. Can't and believe it's the end of July. It's, it's crazy that we're mm-hmm. already halfway through. We're closing in on August now. So we've got a full studio today. A couple things coming up with the uh, chamber. You want to talk about those, and then we'll get to our guests that we have. Absolutely. We've got uh, really popular events coming up, including our business after hours. We have one on July 27th at the Xfinity Store in Ackworth from 6 to 8 p.m. Those are always a great networking experience for the members. They love it because it's after hours. So there's usually some drinks and good networking and a relaxed atmosphere. So folks really love that. And then we've got um, our applications are open for CEO Roundtable. And so what this program is, is we look to attract business owners and C-level executives in non-competing industries. And we pair them in groups of uh, 15 to 20 folks. And for a year, they meet monthly and they discuss any challenges or upcoming business goals that they have. And it the group kind of forms as a trusted board of advisors for each other. And we get a huge positive response from it. Yes, I've had several of those folks that Mm -hmm. completed that come through and they've all said very good things about their experience. Yeah, they'll sign up again and again. So um, it's a real valuable program for a lot of members and applications are open until August 18th. So be on the lookout for that. And then um, one of our signature events every month is First Monday Breakfast. And our August breakfast features Kate Atwood and she's the executive director of Choose ATL. Choose ATL is a regional initiative that's working on attracting the best talent to Atlanta. So it's a really cool program. They'll do neat things like represent Atlanta at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. They host events all throughout Atlanta as well. The Cobb Chamber is part of that initiative, and we're having Kate over, and she's a phenomenal speaker. But for all the events, you can go to, and also CEO Roundtable, to cobbchamber.org to find out more information. Awesome. Yeah. I like that you can sign up for all of these things. Now, the the event you were talking about to start with, is that one you, I guess you want to make reservations, get get an RSVP? It is helpful, too, uh, because sometimes there's a space limit per the location. Mm-hmm. Um, our last one was at Live at the Battery, and we went to full capacity, mm-hmm. and we couldn't accept even walk-ins because mm-hmm. there's a... The fire marshal would have gone on to us, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, register ahead of time. That's right. Get mm-hmm. on the Cobb County Chamber of Commerce website and check out their calendar. You can sign up for all their cool events and meet yeah. cool business leaders like we've had here mm-hmm. throughout the course of the years that we've been doing this show. And today with us in the studio, we have from the Kennesaw State University College of Continuing and Professional Education, some folks that we've had here with us in the studio a time or two. Pleased to have you back. We have uh, Becca Maddox, program manager with us today. Well, thank you for having us again, CW. We appreciate it. And we also have from uh, Smith Gilbert Gardens in uh, Kennesaw, we have Lisa Bartlett, garden manager, going to learn a little bit about what they have going on there. It's pretty cool. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, gosh, I guess it was probably two or three years ago that I met Wendy Alpine of Alpine Communications, a PR firm that's located here in the Atlanta metro area, working with a number of companies. So thanks for sitting in. Thanks, CW. Glad to be here today. Well, let's get into Alpine Communications communications a little bit. Share your story. How did you get started with this company? Sure. Um, Well, we started back in 2000. Um, I was actually um, working for a a communications firm focused on the food industry, working on promoting dressings and sauces and margarine, if you can believe that. Had been there for about seven years and um, I had just had my second child and I had wanted a little bit of a lifestyle change, um, a little bit more freedom And also, the tech boom was just starting around that time as well, and I had an opportunity to do some tech public relations at another PR firm as part of my own consulting business. 
And so I decided to take the leap of faith to be an entrepreneur and uh, started then and then haven't looked back. <laughs> well, I mean, I know it must be challenging. I know myself here with the, the, the studio and having a small business of your own to get started. Uh, talk about you know, the challenges that you over, had to overcome being a solo entrepreneur trying to get your own firm off the ground. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, there are challenges and opportunities. Um, the challenges were, you know, you are you are pretty much doing everything in the business. So you're, you know, you're getting the clients, you're working the business, you're billing. Um, you know, if somebody doesn't pay, you hit the one that has to be the heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully that really hasn't happened at Alpine. Um, the clients that we work with have been great and um, it's just been really wonderful. Um, so a lot of that, and then, you know, you have sometimes the issue of when you work on your own, it could be isolating. So, you know, you really need to, um, you know, go out and network and join industry associations and the Cobb Chamber. Actually, that's, I, I need to mention that, Amy, is one of the things I did in the beginning was to join the Cobb Chamber because my business is in Marietta. And um, it's been great. I've gone to a lot of meetings and I've also been a member of the CEO Roundtable for about three years. Awesome. I'm on, I'm on the orange team. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and so I can attest to what you yeah. said. It's, it's been really great. It's kind of like a board of advisors mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs and small businesses. And it's really helped my business a lot. And I'm, I also just got appointed to Leadership Cobb. You did this year this, did. for this coming 2018. Congratulations! Thank you. So um, I guess I'm an advocate for the chamber. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You're not so. alone. A lot of the people that have come through before you, as we've been doing the show here, have really had the same experience. They've all talked similar to yourself and their experience, particularly going through some of the leadership opportunities mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Um, so you're not alone with that. Right. And I think that's really helped, you know, having that board of advisors, having like other key business leaders talk about the business of public relations, the business of having a small business. So I guess that's, you know, somewhat of a challenge. But then there's also been a lot of opportunities. I've met so many different companies. I've had an opportunity to work in technology, manufacturing, healthcare. Which, if I was, say, working at a particular firm, I may not have had that opportunity. So, And for the person that's listening out there, maybe they're a small business owner, mid-sized business um, around our area, and they're, they're checking out the show today, and they're, they're hearing about Alpine Communications. Obviously, we're talking as a focus on PR. Talk about the difference between public relations and the work you do there uh, versus say, a marketing company? Because I, I I gather there's a difference and it's probably a mistake that sometimes blends together in right. the minds of some of the pe- people you end up working with. That's a great question. And um, I've written blogs about that. Um, people, a lot of times, don't really understand what public relations is. Sometimes they think it's marketing. Sometimes they think it's advertising. Um, but um, I actually did pull some information here just to talk about the difference between public relations and marketing. And um, marketing is about promoting advertising and selling products and services. Public relations is more of a communications process where the company seeks to build a relationship between the company and the general public. So a lot of times marketing, it has more of a direct uh, impact on sales. So there might be like loyalty programs, you might be advertising, things like that. And public relations is about creating visibility and positive exposure for your brand and company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, both have the end goal of increasing uh, customers and getting more customers, but say marketing might have more of a direct link because if you're advertising, you're controlling the message and you can um, put your message out in many different formats and many different publications, depending on your budget. Whereas PR, you're a lot of times depending on the media to carry your message and you don't have as much control. So that's one of the major differences. Now, we've been talking with Wendy Alpine of Alpine Communications, as we were describing, a public relations firm here in the metro area. Is there a particular demographic of businesses that you tend to focus on? We were talking earlier about the fact that you do some work in healthcare and right. some technology. Mm-hmm. Is there kind of a kind of a sweet spot for, for where you like to focus? Yes. Um, I like to work with small businesses. Um, that are that have say new products and new services that they want to get out to the market. So you know it doesn't necessarily have to be like a startup business. It could be an established business, but they're coming out with new products, new services, and they want to reach their target market. They want to get exposure with the media. So I like working with those kind of small businesses that have that. And I have worked with 
um, several healthcare companies, some that are more like in the digital health space that have uh, technology that impact consumers as well as providers. I also have worked with um, and do work with um, manufacturing companies. One of them is in the adhesive business, believe it or not, Uh and they're based in Kennesaw. Um, They actually make adhesives for everything from the furniture industry to the marine industry, RVs, everything's put together with adhesive. So um, I've enjoyed working with them and they're kind of a small business as well. They, They make the adhesives in the UK, but they have their North American headquarters here. And then um, I've also had a chance to work in the workforce management space with companies that are responsible for time and attendance for hourly workers. So how do you, how do people clock their time? It's gone from the thudded, you know, punch clocks where you hear that thud to uh, cloud-based time and attendance where people clock in on their phones, on their smart devices. It's a whole new world and you can get access anytime, anywhere to see where your employees are anytime at the job or how many hours, you know, worked hours they have. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's really kind of spanned the, uh, the gamut there, but I, I do enjoy working with, you know, small to mid-sized businesses. Well, one of the things that we were chatting about before we went on the air today with Amy, she was explaining the fact that uh, we often throw out invites to businesses around the community to join us here on this show, Cobb, Cobb County Businesses, and, and I don't have time to go. And yet, here's an expert in PR, um, clearly... It must be somewhat valuable to place yourself in various media formats, whether that's broadcast media on terrestrial radio or possibly television, if the business is in the right space to, to make that kind of a spin make sense, or if they're fortunate enough to get somebody to tell that story in the <laughs> mainstream media uh, for free, that's obviously great. But I mean, talk about the value of that. I mean, why would a business want to take a couple of hours and and share their story, get to talk pretty granularly about what they do. Why would they want to do that? Well, I have to say your show is just such a great forum for businesses in, in Cobb County and elsewhere um, because there are fewer and fewer opportunities to get the word out with terrestrial radio. If you I don't mean, if you don't pay, you're not there talking. Exactly. <laughs> and your show, business, you know, Business X Radio, is such a great format for folks because it lets you, it's a voice to talk about your small business. And really, if you think about it, where else can you do that in Atlanta? There's really not that many places, unless, like you say, you're paying for it or it's breaking news or it's controversial. This is more of like um, an opportunity to really kind of toot your own horn and promote your products and services to the community. And it's, it's wonderful. I mean, I think it's a great thing. I take advantage of it as a PR person for my clients uh, and it's been just really great because it has given them a voice and it's given them an opportunity to share and uh, put their company in the best possible light. I know whenever I was part of a medical practice before, that's what launched the Top Docs Radio Show. It's how we got here. But I was constantly trying to get broadcast media to talk a little bit about what we did because we were affecting patient outcomes in a significant way. It was patients with wounds and and some late effects of radiation. So their quality of life was significantly impacted. And this resource was really available all around the metro area, but is underutilized just because a lot of the physicians didn't really understand it. So we wanted to educate the community to just to get them better, better understanding, hey, this is available. Maybe I should ask about it because could head off an amputation or something like that. And they weren't interested. Mm. We, we spent a lot of money to do several 30-second spots. And okay. we're talking here for 10, 10 15 minutes. Exactly. This for nothing. Is, I know. <laughs> this is like, this is a gold mine. I definitely would recommend it. Um, if you're not taking advantage of it, you know, you're really leaving something on the table there. And you're really losing, you know, missing out on an opportunity to really promote your business, increase your visibility, build your reputation, give you credibility, that that whole thing. And it, it's it's a it's just a great service that we have. We're talking with Wendy Al- Alpine. She's a public relations expert and, and learning a little bit about how this ser- type of service and expertise can benefit my business. And you differentiated marketing mm-hmm. from PR earlier. When does it make sense to have that PR component on top of, because I'm sure that one of the conversations you find when you meet a new business executive or owner is, I've already got an advertising company. I've already got a marketing company. Uh, Where does that, when does it make sense to add that extra layer of expertise in there or maybe reallocate how I'm spending some of those dollars to include this kind of effort along with 
our messaging that we're putting out there through either advertisement or, or other types of paid, you know, broadcasting of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, when I hear that, I say, great. That's wonderful that you're out there. You have marketing. You recognize the value of it. Uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, public relations can is complementary to marketing. It works hand in hand. So um, if you're doing anything like that, any marketing programs, the public relations can be used as a vehicle to get the word out about those marketing programs, whether it's a loyalty-based program, uh, a contest, or uh, a buy one, get one, or whatever. Um, In addition to just general good news stories about your company, um, for example, we do a lot of work with thought leadership with companies, um, taking their executives and, um, and then writing bylined articles about different topics, different trends in their industry. We might be placing them in industry uh, at industry conferences as speakers, submitting for awards. So there's so much in addition to the marketing that they need to be looking at. How else can you make people feel good about your brand? How else could you build the reputation, protect the reputation, and just increase the visibility so people know you're out there, just like you mentioned with that medical company you're working with. It's, 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 uh, you need something to grab the media's attention. You know, you really need to have a human interest story or something like that. Mm-hmm. So basically it's, it's a complement to the marketing advertising. And one of the things that's bridging the gap is social media, which we do at Alpine. And sometimes that gets into the marketing space and sometimes it falls into the PR space, but mm-hmm. there's a convergence now between PR and marketing. Now they're saying it's, it's, it's almost like inseparable, you know, you need one, you have to have one with the other um, to basically amplify the brand. And um, social media, you know, now anybody could put, can be their own publisher, can be their own spokesperson or whatever. And um, you need to be mindful of what kind of messages are getting out there. And PR can help with that. Mm-hmm. And w- when it comes to the social media piece you talked about uh, can you share a little bit about what you'll do if if I engage you for PR services? How can you help me with my social media piece? I know for myself, it's time consuming. It's it's not as easy as you think as you know to make relevant tweets because it's or or Facebook posts or even LinkedIn wherever you're putting it out. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, and I'm sure choosing an effective channel is, is another thing. Depending on what it is I'm talking about, can you share a little bit about how you can help me with the social media side? Sure. Um, there is so much out there for social media. Um, one of the things that we like uh, we we do a lot is blogging. So we help uh, companies with thought leadership through blogging. Um, that's very important because uh, it helps with your domain authority for your website, getting your keywords in there. So when people do searches on Google, you come up hopefully on the <laughs> first page. And you can also position yourself as a thought leader, as an expert through blogging, through different topics. And even like this show, for example, we just talked about it earlier, how we're all here to talk about our businesses and, and, and things like that. But after we finish the show, we're going to socialize it through our social media channels. Mm-hmm. And it's really important. So we kind of help remind companies that, you know, you may, if you have news, you have a press release, but then you can also use, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook to amplify the message. Yes. So we help a lot with that. We help set up pages. We help with the postings, but also we help with the strategy. You know, what do you want to say and in which uh, channels do you want to say it? I think businesses still are struggling with, should I use Facebook? Should I use LinkedIn? Yeah. Most businesses see the value of LinkedIn, but more and more, Facebook, which used to just be for consumer brands, I read a statistic like 25% of the world's population uses Facebook. So, you know, it's just become more of a force and to reckon with, and you need to have a Facebook page as well, just to be relevant. I've used some Facebook advertising for my content here. And each time I've done so, I've gotten pretty nice results for the money that you spend on that. So uh, it's something to look into, but having some guidance on timing, you know, perhaps do you help a little bit with the message itself? Yes, we help with the message. That's what we do a lot of is, you know, what are the key messages that you have? And we want to make sure those are woven into social media posts, depending on, you know, Twitter is only 140 characters, but LinkedIn and Facebook especially is about having conversations with your customers. And so, yes, we help with those messages and making sure um, you're putting, you know, your messages out there in, in the proper light. When it comes to trying to figure out which PR firm I should go to, are there some things I should be asking up front to try to determine, 
a good fit. I mean, obviously having some measure of rapport is is clear. It's important in B2B, but what are things I should be wondering about if I'm going to contact a PR firm that's not you? Right. Or if it is you. Okay. Right. Well, one of the things is experience. So at Alpine, we have 17 years experience in public relations and marketing communications. So you want to look for a company that's been doing PR for a while. We actually, I mean, nothing, all due respect to younger folks and interns and things like that, which we use at Alpine, you know, they don't have as much experience, so they may not have the media contacts or like you said, helping them with messaging or uh, pitfalls to avoid and things like that. So experience is a big thing. Um, the other thing is when you meet with a PR firm, are they listening to you or are they doing all the talking? So the more they're listening, the more they're taking information about what your needs are rather than what they want to promote. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I think we don't realize that we really need to listen more than speak. Also, uh, media context, like I just touched on. Uh, we at Alpine, we have been here, set, we've been working in, in PR and in, in Alpine Communications for 17 years, so we have a lot of good media contacts, both locally and nationally, in healthcare and B2B. So, you know, you want to look for companies that have those media contacts that have worked in the trenches, either as former reporters or, or elsewhere. Also, you want to talk about the company's goals and expectations, so so you can measure. So that, that's a big thing in PR. How do I measure the success? And that's sometimes a challenge, but if you upfront agree with what kind of goals and expectations you have, then it's easier to measure to measure those results. And then the other thing um, I like to talk about is uh, beware of overpromising. Like some PR firms will say, you know, I can get you into the New York Times. Well, can you? You know. Uh, it's like you said before, when you had that company, it's, it's, uh, there's many different ingredients to make a story and to get the story placed. And so you want to work with a firm that's not going to overpromise or promise that things that aren't going to really come to pass, but they're going to really give you the alley and the, the contacts that you want to get your message conveyed. For the business entrepreneur or owner that's looking to add to the extent to which they're able to tell their stories and sharing it through these channels that we've been talking about today, share where they can go and get more information so that they can link up with Alpine Communications. Okay. Uh, Well, you can find us at uh, www.alpinepr.com. So that's P as in Peter, R as in Ruth, or like public relations, Alpine PR. Or you could call us at 404-641-6170. And we'll be happy to work with you and answer any questions and tell you about how we can help catapult your business to success. Well, great information. And I know some of the organizations that you've done some work with, obviously, uh, that says a lot. I think the quality of your customer, the the businesses that are trusting uh, their messaging with a firm such as yours uh, says a lot. So uh, you do have a little bit of a brag list. So I would suggest that folks that are looking to expand the reach of their brand, they might get in touch with you and, and uh, check out how you can help them. And I understand that there's some cool things going on in Kennesaw. Introduce us to the Smith Gilbert Gardens, Lisa. Hi, CW <laughs> Hall. Thank you so much for having having um, me on here. Um, so, yeah, Smith Gilbert Gardens is uh, the city of Kennesaw's first ever botanical garden. So we're like the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, but in Kennesaw. And we have more plants than the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. <laughs> But the big exciting thing is that uh, it's our butterfly exhibit is going to be opening. And picture like John Cameron's Avatar movie. It's like being surrounded by 200 fairies flying about your head. And so we only use uh, native butterflies. That's the big exciting thing that's happening. And the butterflies actually arrive on Wednesday. Oh. But the exhibit does not open until uh, July 25th. Okay. Well, how did this all come about? I mean, what's the what's the backstory? So the house um, was built in 1880, and it's three bricks thick. It was owned by um, William Butler. Um, he owned the property for, for many, many years, and then it went through a series of owners. And then in the 70s... Um, uh, the Smith Gilbert and Richard Smith bought the property, and they were big birders. So Kennesaw Mountain is a flight. It's on the flight path for all migratory birds. They use that as a landmark. Oh. So they purchased the property for that, and then they started plant. They weren't plant people. They started planting plants to attract the birds. So there's lots of viburnum and hollies, a huge collection. Um, and so we have tons of incredible migratory birds there as well. So then. 
tragically, Richard Smith passed away suddenly, and uh, Dr. Gilbert couldn't didn't want to live there too much longer without him. And so they sold the property to the city of Kennesaw, and really props to the city of Kennesaw for not turning it into a subdivision and tax revenue. Um, they created a green space, and it's just, it, it, it's 16 acres of tranquility and beauty. I mean, in the city, you know, in the heart of the city, it's incredible. It's interesting. I've I've always been impressed by the value of those types of green spaces. You go to Piedmont Park in town here in Atlanta, same thing, thousands and thousands of people there. And it it is a testament to the leadership there to to keep that. I mean, what a what a cool story too, and particularly how it ties into Kennesaw Mountain and all of that. It's uh, that's pretty interesting. Oh, exactly. The history that is on this property is incredible, and the new thing that's happening is that we are. The city of Kennesaw purchased on the corner of Pine Mountain and Blackgum. They purchased the four homes. So we're going to expand, and that's going to be our new education and event facility. Hopefully my new office. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Ann. Um, but... Um, <laughs> It's incredible. It'll put us on the map because right now, people who have lived in Kennesaw their whole lives don't know that we're there. I mean, they drive past and just don't know because it, it was, you know, a, a private residence for right. so many years. Um, so this will hopefully put us on the map. So talk about your role as manager. I mean, what do you spend your day fretting about and focused on? I love that word, fretting. Um, I'm sure there's a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. I, I grow some some vegetables and some flowers in my own garden, trying to make some, you know, a, a pretty display of plants and some productive vegetables. I know it's not easy to do. Are you responsible for all of that, I guess? I am. There are 30,000 different species of plants on this property, and I know every single one. I, I know Anne used to test me. She's Anne is our director, and she used to test me on my plant knowledge. And she would send me even a text of photographs of plants in the garden. I knew exactly where it was and exactly what it was. Um, so it is it is fretful because it's especially last year when with the drought mm -hmm. it was incredible. I felt like I feel like the gardening Goldilocks last year was too dry, this year's too wet. <laughs> um but it was it was incredibly difficult cuz then our well went out and I had no way to water and you know Georgia was on fire last year. So this year's been a little bit easier, but yeah, I fret about plants dying, animals dying. We have koi. Um and then the butterflies, my whole world will be obsessed with, but I I'm, will be fostering. I will be looking for caterpillar fosters out there because I don't have nearly as much food for all these caterpillars. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm so you're, you're saying that, is that legitimately going to be something you can do? You can actually foster caterpillars? Absolutely. So, I send people home with little caterpillars and um, you all you have to do is make sure you have organic parsley and you feed them and they'll go into the chrysalis state and then you bring them back to us and we re-release them. So, we only use the native species of butterfly in the exhibit so that we can release them. Uh, are you partnered with some of the schools or anything like that we, to we, get some of that? Yes, absolutely we are. Um, so we have a new education um, event person, uh, Mark Wolf, and so I'm hoping he's going to um, get together and um, really push it forward. So it's very exciting. It's really well, so how's you, how did you become involved in this? And, and you know, how, how did you get to where you know 30,000 plant species? Oh, um, <laughs> so... I used to be a talent agent for stand-up comedians, and I handled... I totally see the... I, I get it now. I see it. <laughs> I handled um, Jeff Foxworthy, Steve Harvey, um, Brett Butler when she uh, when she was coming up, and I got my money with Jeff Foxworthy. I mean, I got my house with Jeff Foxworthy money, and my house was one mile from a nursery. Uh, this was 20 years ago. I turned... I'm going to say it. I, the F word. I turned 40, <laughs> and I had a midlife crisis and was over the, you know, the whole late night thing and decided I'd always loved plants. And I did the absolute worst thing you could do when you first get a house. I built the garden around the house before ever doing anything with the house. But I went part-time at this nursery just to learn and to get plants. And apparently it's really important to be a good waterer. And I was. So, <laughs> um, and eventually I ended up managing the nursery and the rest was sort of I just had always loved plants. You know, when you love something, you just absorb it. So yes. for me, it's every living thing. I can tell you almost anything about every living thing. My brother-in-law is entomologist. I never get tired of talking <gasps> oh with those guys. It's so intriguing. Is he here? <laughs> He's in Richmond or in, in Ashburn, Virginia, rather. <gasps> he works for the government uh, fighting uh, mosquitoes and wow. uh, 
uh, other other things. He was in the Air Force for the longest time, and so he was working with all the bases around the globe, actually. Oh, how cool. Uh, handling various pests and inv- invasive species. It's intriguing the, the issues that you have to be concerned with. Yes. And I can imagine that's part of the reason why you've chosen to have native butterflies as a as a part of this exhibit rather than import some sort of exotic species from someplace else. And that's a very, very good point that you brought up because there's a, a butterfly exhibit that we all know, and it's in South Georgia, that they use exotics. And sadly, they have to euthanize their caterpillars because if they were to get out, some of these beautiful butterflies are horrible for the peanut crops and they'll just eat them. So it's kind of a... It's a real issue. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing to to think about. You look at butterflies. Oh, they're so they're so wonderful, but yet the the critters that get there you, get them there. See, that's a good point too, <laughs> because people forget that the butterflies are bugs. They're insects. They're yes. not just these beautiful, you know, flying flowers. Yes. So yeah. Well, when it comes to the funding, it's obviously going to have some measure of public funding. Are you also, is it kind of a public-private kind of effort where there's an effort to link up with philanthropists in the community who want to try to support and help it grow? We are always, always looking to reach out to groups and to people to uh, to help us. Um, we are... We are a new botanic garden as uh, botanic gardens go. And so we don't have, you know, we don't have the name that's out there to, to get a lot of these things. And so, yeah, it, it, we we reach out constantly to get um, partnership with um, uh, with people. So we, they also have a foundation. Yes. That helps run um, events that bring funds to the gardens. Mm-hmm. Lisa happens to be wearing a Garden Gallop 5K shirt. Oh, cool. So I believe it's every October around Halloween. Exactly. That's a good time for one. Yeah, it really is. Because um, you get to dress up. Yeah, yes, the, that's that, too. And the weather's going to be nice. Yeah. Yep. They host a 5K in downtown Kennesaw. And then we have the Rose Garden Gala in May. The and, Hummingbird Bandit and the Hummingbird in September. Bandit. You have to talk about that one. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So we have, um, because we're on the flight path and we have all these birds, uh, we have one of uh, like 10 people in the whole country that are licensed to capture hummingbirds and ban them. And it, the band is as tiny, it will fit on the tip of my finger, and she can catch these and ban them. And in the six years, I think, that they've been doing it, they've never caught the same hummingbird twice. So it's pretty incredible. And I got to hold them last year, and I don't know whose heart was beating faster, mine or the hummingbirds, but <laughs> it was, I mean, she does something. They, It's like she blows on them with a straw, and it sort of puts them to sleep. And then you hold it, and it flies away. It's just, yeah, I got goosebumps. It's just incredible. Uh, they're fascinating to watch. They and are. I would imagine with all of the flowers that you have there that you're going to have quite a troop of them uh, flying around there. Yes. So we also partnered with uh, Southern. Living and they donated so many plants for our new pollinator focused garden. So we are all about, I'm big on not using herbicides and pesticides. I think it's just, we've gotten, you know, fed this, you know, lie about having this beautiful green lawn when it's in fact a desert of green and that I want to make weeds popular again. So because we have this pollinator-focused garden, because we do have butterflies and we have bees, that we can't use the chemicals around them or we wouldn't have an exhibit. But Southern Living donated so many plants to our children's, what used to be our children's garden, and now it's going to be our pollinator-focused garden. But it's everything from the food source for the for the animals and the nectar sources. So we have hummingbirds, butterflies, bees, everything that's in this exhibit. Now, when we were talking a little bit ago about support for the botanical garden mm-hmm. you're you're mentioning here donating a plants now is that something that if i want to help the the botanical garden that i could perhaps purchase plants for you is there a wish list or are there At, things that you're trying to get yes there's always a wish list but um another great thing that you can do is we because we don't use herbicides we do have weeds and so we're always looking for volunteers. Right now, when I first started a year ago, we had five, maybe six volunteers. Now I have volunteers on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I'm looking to have volunteers every single day of the week. Um, KSU, um, <laughs> the students at KSU uh, came and volunteered. And they actually started their own, um, it's called the Gardening Owls. And so they come and volunteer um, with me. I love KSU. Um, so yeah, it's it's... I, I'm telling you, this has been, it, it is such a special property and it's such a it's such a neat place to bring your children and, and for adults too. I mean, it's 
it's an incredible place. Well, I'm pleased to learn about it. This mm-hmm. is my first exposure to it, so I'm going to have to see if we can load the family up. It's uh, We live in Mableton, so it's not very far for us to cruise over there. Um, I'm interested in checking it out. I have a big interest in some of the history around that area, for sure. I was a big Civil War buff, too. So nice. um, being over in that area and being able to experience that would be really cool. Talk about where you are and then where folks can go to either register for your events, get more information about what you're doing, maybe partner with you, help you out, sure. as, you, as you described. So you can... Um, of course, we're on Facebook, so like us on Facebook, and um, we have a website at smithgilbertgardens.com, um, but we're located at 2382 Pine Mountain Road, that's in Kennesaw, and we're straight up 41 and on the left, and yeah, yeah it's just... We're really easy to get to. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it. I, I can't wait to check it out. I'm think, I can't I'm, wait for you for, to either. Thanks for coming out, man. We'll have to, I'll have to maybe come out and do one of the the runs in the, in the fall. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I appreciate you sharing your information today. And we've had the folks from KSU with us here in the studio a couple of times. What's going on uh, at, at the KSU Continuing in Professional Education Department? Well, we have been in the community since 1966, and we serve about 17,000 student enrollments annually, so we're, we're a bit busy. <laughs> uh, we have about 50 classroom certificate programs as well as personal programs, and we have over 350 online programs that all earn continuing education units or CEUs. Our educators in Georgia might be familiar with having to earn CEUs to get their teacher certification renewed. Um, we also have all of our instructors trained in the industry so that when they teach our classes, they really know what they're talking about. We also house the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, also known as Ollie in the community, that not only provides educational opportunities, but social opportunities for uh, adults age 50 and older. Um, and our goal and our role uh, within the university is to help adults enter the industry that they want to work in or gain the professional experience in order to finally earn that promotion they've been looking for in the industry that they do already work in um, by giving them hands-on training, helping them earn professional certifications, and give them classroom training as well. So not everyone has the resources within the university and within Georgia to be able to pursue a four-year degree, either time, money, other resources that they just don't have to be able to earn that four-year degree. So Kennesaw State University does think it's important to cater to those adults Mm -hmm. and to those students as well. And so that's why we really cater to these students to help them really reinvent themselves and be successful in the industry that they want to be in. Talking with Rebecca Maddox, or Becca, as she likes to be called, (laughs) the program manager there at the College of Continuing and Professional Education at KSU. Any particular industry that you focus some more interest in out of your offerings, or is it really pretty wide? It's really pretty wide. Uh, We have program managers. I'm one of them. I cover the online and advanced technology programs, but we have about seven program managers that focus on different areas, whether it be healthcare, technology, the Ollie Institute that I mentioned, um, as well as management and personal programs as well. So we really... We have a wide net. Uh, We offer programs everywhere from medical billing and coding to Cisco and web design and development. That's really cool. And and can I do some of my coursework actually online as well, or is it in person at the university? Well, we have both options. So we have online programs that are completely online. Some of them are monthly. Some of them are start any time, which means you can start and register as soon as you're ready to begin and move through it at your own pace so there's a little bit less pressure, especially if you have a busy schedule. But we also have, there's there's a big difference between an online learner and a classroom learner. So we offer both and we try to cater to both. So that way, if you're more of a classroom learner, you can be in the classroom with an instructor and you can have that help that you need. But if you're more of a self-paced, you have a busy lifestyle, we offer online programs that can help you manage that and still be able to learn as well. I think that's pretty exciting that you you're giving folks a way to stick their toe into an industry, mm-hmm. learn something about it to determine if they have a measure of, of ability with that, and as well as just interest before you throw yourself into a, a, an extended type of degree type program. Talk a little bit about how, how it flows from a time perspective um, when I'm doing one of these types of uh, programs versus something like a two or four year type program. Well, our programs range anywhere from a couple of weeks to 
any to nine to 12 months, depending on the technical abilities of the program and how much time you need and how much training you need if you're also earning a professional certification. So it can really range. You can be done fairly quickly and start earning experience in the field. After you put that on your resume, you put a certificate on your resume, it's going to look great once you get out there and start to try to earn the experience in the field. But you can also be in one of our longer programs. The Web Design and Development program is about nine months long. You're learning all these different softwares, and you're learning how to apply it to building a website. At the end of the program, you actually have a website to show off and add to your professional portfolio that you've built from scratch yourself. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that the college tries to help veterans a little bit. How did that fold into the, the programs here for uh, continuing professional education? Well, we actually have a military liaison, and she's wonderful. She works in our registration office. Uh, she helps the veterans and the military spouses navigate their benefits and helps them get through that process so they don't run into any roadblocks or issues. She's there for them to help them do that. We also offer a 10% discount to our military veterans. Um, and in addition, our professional certificate programs are approved for VA education benefits. We have about 46 of those now that have been approved for VA education benefits. And we also offer um, MyCAA, and that's for the active duty service members. That stands for My Career Advancement Account. That's for military spouses again, and they get $4,000 to pursue certificate or online programs. Wow. That's really great. And whenever it comes to, you know, you talked about transitioning into an industry potentially through this type of education. Is there some measure of handholding, if you will, or introducing me after I've been through the coursework to possible places where I can now begin to apply this education? Well, I think the most important thing that our classes do is provide networking opportunities between students. There are students from all walks of life working in all different companies. You never know how much experience or how much inexperience they have in an industry. So what our classes do is we introduce those students. And we've had students um, for information system security, for example, who got two jobs now based on networking with students in the classroom. So that helps a lot. Also, Kennesaw State University has a really great reputation with um, different businesses in the yep. area. And they reach out to us and they let us know when they're looking for someone to fill these positions and they hear about one of our programs. And we always send those immediately out to the students. Oh, that's great. I, I, that's the, a nice service that really would make that much more value in going through that type of program when you mm -hmm. know that there's going to be some measure of introduction to some opportunities for you to to make it a little easier because that's that's challenging in and of itself. Once oh, you're yes. done, just kind of like, now what? Yes, it is. And, and that's why we like to maintain <laughs> these good relationships and maintain our good reputation. And I think we do that by continuing to offer these really great and wide-ranging programs. Without putting you on the spot, I would imagine sure. you've probably got a story or two about people that have come through and, and, and really... Uh, come back saying, hey, man, this was this was awesome. Here's, here's what it did for me. Oh, yes, absolutely. We have uh, several, actually. Um, we had a student named Edgar Sanchez who did the culinary apprenticeship, and he served a 22-year military career with the Army and Marines. And once he retired to civilian life, he went through our culinary apprenticeship program and launched his own food truck. Um, wow. And it's called Say Tout Bon To Eat, which is French for it's all good to eat. And he's been in and around the Atlanta area ever since. Uh, we've had Daryl Harpis, who also went through the culinary apprenticeship, who was a nurse for 20 years and a retired military veteran. And um, he decided to enroll in the program because he had a passion for the culinary arts. We also had Kenneth Danter, who is a military veteran as well. And he joined our Cisco program and got out, got a network engineering job at Emory, and wow. also got a scholarship from Cisco themselves. Um, and he has credited, uh, credited it to our program. Annette Reed, while not a veteran, I mentioned her earlier, was in her information system security program. Um, she networked. Um, she started out as a paralegal, networked with the students, worked very, very hard, ended up at the top of her class at the end with zero experience, <laughs> and earned her CISSP on the first try. And got a job immediately, came back to speak to our class to talk about her experience, 
got another job from the student <laughs> that she was speaking um, in front of in the class. So we have a lot of success stories, a lot of students who work very, very hard and go through our programs and end up being successful. And we're, we're all very happy that that happens. <laughs> What are some of the things that I'll learn in that culinary program that you're talking about? Oh, you'll learn knife skills. You'll, you'll learn pretty much everything you need to know to to get into that field. So I'm going to be doing cooking and food preparation, all of that stuff, oh, just like food safety and different things like that. Absolutely. So you'll also be testing out different recipes. You'll be um, coming to an event where they they give you a basket of different recipes and they'll have you cook them. Um, you'll make up your own recipe and serve them to guests who come to the KSU Center. So it's it's a really great program. It lets you think on your feet. Well, it sounds like you've got a pretty wide offering. Are you looking at adding any other types of, of industries or, or training programs? Yes, actually, we have about five programs that are kicking off here soon. We have the AutoCAD Advanced Program. We have the Certified Financial Planner Program. We have the Security Management Professional Program, the Administrative Office Management Program, and the Ethical Hacker Program. So that's, that's going to be an interesting one too. <laughs> oh think, yes, actually. yes, it's going to be great. So we've partnered with the EC Council, um, and at the end of the program, the students would be prepared to earn their Certified Ethical Hacker certification through the EC Council. It's really great for military veterans because sometimes for certain positions in the military, you have to have security clearance. Mm -hmm. So um, Information System Security, which earns the CISSP and Ethical Hacker are really mm -hmm. great programs to help earn that security clearance because those are typically certifications that are listed as required should you want to pursue that security clearance. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the ethical hackers, what they're doing is they're working with an enterprise to help them identify where are the weak spots. They break exactly. in and they show them where those things are and potentially, I guess, help them remediate that. Exactly. It's it's really an, uh, an offensive position. It's not defensive. Sure. So they're really trying to prevent the hackers from getting in in the first place. So basically, the class is going to teach them what to look for, different techniques and different tools that hackers use to get into people's emails, people's social media accounts, uh, people's files, companies' files, and how to prevent that from happening in their company or whoever is hiring them at the time. With this type of program, do I need to come with certain prerequisites or is it more just uh, I have an interest in this, I'd like to try to go through the program? Well, we typically tell you you definitely want to have an interest in security and some familiar familiarity with the terminology. Um, but all of our classes are open enrollment. If you have an interest, we've seen that with professional investigator, with ethical hacker, with information system security, that students we recommend this prerequisite that they have an interest, that they have some familiarity, but we have students who register, attend, and are extremely successful just because they have the interest and they have the willingness to do the work and do the homework and do the studying that they need to do to be successful. Is that true for all of the programs that you can, you don't necessarily have to have a background per se in whatever it is that we're looking at. I can come in as a total newbie and begin to learn at that point, right? Yes, and some of the some of the healthcare programs are slightly different. Some of them do have a prerequisite, like okay. you might want to start out um, at a certain level and then build up to medical billing and coding specialists, but that's pretty rare. Usually they're all open enrollment. We just want to make sure that you're meeting the prerequisites to be successful in the industry that you're looking to enter into. So if there are requirements in the industry, such as with healthcare, we wanna make sure that you have that background and those requirements before you spend the money to come in and take the program. So we really wanna make sure that the students are successful. They're not just taking the program just to take the program. We want to make sure that they can do something with it afterwards. How does it flow with regards to student financing. If, if I need some help covering the cost of the course, is there anything like that for me for this kind of program? Well, we have for our certificate programs, we have payment plans on a case-by-case -case basis, which is um, something wonderful that we've recently rolled out. It's been extremely helpful to the students. We do take student loans from Sally May and Wells Fargo, as well as other places that are private loans. Uh, we also have, of course, the VA benefits, MyCAA, uh, we have multiple options as well as WIOA, which is the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. Um, it's also known as Cobb Works. That is some of the options that we have. Do you have anything coming up where folks can 
stop by and check out what you have going on, uh, the different types of programs and what's involved? Yes, we do. Actually, we have our open house coming up on August 3rd. It's a completely free event. Um, we already have a ton of enrollments who want to come in and meet with our instructors and get to know more about the program, get to know more about their financial aid opportunities before they register. And the really great thing about it is we do offer a 10% discount for those who attend. That's good for up to a week after the event. So if you're interested in a program and you just want to find out more, you want to meet the instructor, get to know them, ask them questions, this is a really great free event to come to. It's August 3rd, starting at 6 p.m. And I'm sure if I go to a website, I can probably cruise through all of the different programs that you have available through your through your division? Yes, you can find us at ccpe.kennesaw.edu. Um, and all of our programs will be listed there. We have different tabs. We have our financial aid page. We have our open house page. I can tell you a little bit more about that upcoming event, as well as the different programs that are going to be represented there with, their, with the instructors and that will have more information. We've chewed up almost an hour with all of these <laughs> great guests today. That's what goes so, so quickly. You have any final thoughts before we let you go? Uh, I just want to thank you for inviting us. We're always excited to be able to um, tell everyone a little bit more about all the various programs and opportunities that we offer. We'll have to do something with you all when we get started through the, the Library Foundation efforts. I've, I've mentioned on the show in the past, I'm on the board of directors for the Cobb Library Foundation, and we're going to be doing this in the Cobb Library locations around wow. Cobb County. I'm not sure exactly yet when we're going to get started. We're still looking for partners to round out that so we can get it launched. But it sounds like that might be a nice fit and opportunity for you to feature some of the people that have gone through those types of programs, maybe some of the businesses that are benefiting from you all being here uh, and maybe put them together with other folks that didn't realize. Because I know that I, I didn't realize until I became part of the board um, I hadn't gone to the public library other than, you know, more recently for the meetings. We happen to have a meeting in the middle of the day and, and usually they're in the evening. So the library is kind of thinning out by the end of the day. But uh, I didn't realize just how heavily at uh, least the Schweitzer Library is for sure. Very, I mean, packed with people, all the computers are being used, people uh, trying to find jobs. So I, one of the things that we're wanting to do is highlight that economic engine. And it sounds like you're doing that a little bit as well with some of your offerings to give people an opportunity to get access to some education that they might be able to leverage into some uh, nice employment uh, that they didn't even necessarily realize they had access to. So we might have to talk about that when we get rolling. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> any any last thoughts from you, Amy, before we jump out? Uh, no, thank you for the this, a really fast and entertaining hour. And if you have any questions about future shows or past shows or chamber events, please visit CobbChamber.org. If you're one of those businesses that Amy called and said, hey, you should come and sit in with us in the studio and you said, no, I don't have time, yeah. rethink that. Yes, please. Get with Amy and her crew or us. You can mm -hmm. reach out to us through the contact tab and uh, say, hey, we heard you talking about it on the Cobb Chamber show with Midtown Business and we'd like to be featured. We'll be happy to do that. Uh, if you've not done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because when the podcast comes out, it'll be downloaded to your device. You can check it out when it's convenient for you. You don't have to make yourself available at 1030 on Tuesday. A lot of our people check out the podcast and we hope you turn around and share this information. Clearly some very cool things we were talking about today that could help folks that mean something to you, whether it's their business or somebody that's trying to further their career or as we're doing here, serve the community uh, and and enjoy some beautiful scenery and and the that green space that Kennesaw has invested in there with the um, the the Smith Gilbert Gardens and the botanical garden that they're offering there to the community. So share this information, put it out on LinkedIn, put it out on on Facebook. You might just be helping somebody that means something to you. And we'll say thanks to everybody who does that for us. Everybody, I. I really appreciate you being here today. It's uh, it's cool to meet these entrepreneurs and business leaders every week. And uh, I really appreciate you making your way here into Buckhead to sit in with us today. We'll have to have some of y'all back and do this some more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody out there who made us a part of your day today, I want to say thanks so much. We'll see you next time.